0: Welcome to Beyond Dollars and Cents. This is the Risk and Reward Podcast. My name is Holland Henderson, financial advisor with Allen and & Company. And today we have, today's a special day. I don't, I don't know if our guest knows this. Our, our guest, Charles McDaniel, the one and only. How's it going? It's going great. Good to uh, be here, Holland. Thanks yeah. For having me back. So I got two, two little things that you don't know. Number one, this is our 50th podcast. Oh, it's gonna be the best one by far. Uh, I By like far. the confidence already. <laughs> I like the confidence. That's right. Second, to the day one year ago was our first podcast together. How about that? To the day. Mm, that's wonderful. I mean, I, I feel, feel like I'm a little bit more excited than you are. About no, it. I am. And I people actually listen to these. How about that? <laughs> I,
1: I mean, who knew? I thought it was just going mean, to be for my archives, but I got people. They, they reached out to me. I got a couple of clients. I had people look for where they could find more about Allen & Company's podcast. Yeah. Who knew?
0: We are a multimedia enterprise, and you should respect us as such, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Also, it's probably my mom just calling over and over again. It could be. It (laughs) could could be. be. (laughs) It could be.
1: Well, congratulations on 50 Podcasts. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. I mean, you'd think, you know, you'd run out of something to say in a couple episodes. No way, not me. We're talking about Holland here.
0: Yeah, I understand that, and I respect (laughs) it. I respect that as a decision. I think that that's what my wife's goal was. She was like, clearly, he'll run out of something to say, but it's not happened. Or he'll bother other people with those things and not me. But I have, <laughs> and I still bothered her the same amount, right? <laughs> uh, so, because we know each other, but not everybody out there behind the microphone or in front of the microphone, however you want to say it, knows who you are. Who are you, and what do you do? <laughs> Thanks, Holland. My, my name's Chuck McDaniel. It says Charles on the book because I've
1: spent the last four or five years trying to get people to call me by the name on my birth certificate and everybody refuses. They've just said, no, you're Chuck. You've been Chuck too long. So, but I put it on the book title just to give it. Are you
0: hoping to go back to Charles? I've wanted
1: to be Charles for a while now, but the universe said, no, you're Chuck. We're done with this. So just move along. Um, so I, I own a business called studio C solutions and I, it's organizational optimization. I do data analytics. I do a lot of strategic planning and a lot of facilitation for boards and other groups. And, uh, I do a lot of one-on-one coaching for people to do better in the work that they do and in life.
0: And we appreciate it. We see the benefits of it in our community, and I'm, I'm very grateful for that. So you finished the book. How was it? The process, I mean. The process was great. I, I wanted to do it for a
1: long time, and I'm sure a lot of people have an idea, and they want to do that. And the challenge is to really get going and spend the time and, and do it. And so everybody's got to find a way that works for them. So for me, I wrote the chapter titles, so that, and I wrote them all. And so I knew what I was going to write about. I knew the book in my head. And so then once I had, and there's 70 chapters in there, once I had all the chapter titles, well, then it was just a matter of writing each one. So every day I'd go in and I'd pick one and I'd write it. And, and the first...
0: I could be honest with you, I would not expect anything less from you <laughs> than to have a system already in mind to go write a book.
1: Well, oh, and I'd already had the book template. I was writing in the six by nine production format in the right font with the header. It was already done when I finished. So, but I went in there and I was writing randomly at first, like which one do I feel like writing today, right? And then after after three or four of those, I said, you know what? I'm gonna start at the beginning and just go straight through and not, not pick and choose because I didn't wanna sort of have it be impacted by what I felt like that day. So I just wanted to work on them all uh, sequentially. So I did that and uh, I got them. I got them written. I had five people editing who agreed to edit behind me. So I had five people who were editing every chapter as I went. So, oh, come on.
0: Yeah. because Five, five yeah. different editors.
1: Yeah. And I wanted different ages and genders and voices and backgrounds because, you know, I really wanted to make sure, and back up a step. The biggest challenge is if you know me, you know what I sound like, you know what I talk like. Yeah. Well, that's what this is. It In really is. It reads that way. Yes, it does. It, what I wasn't sure is how it would land with people who don't know me that well, right? So I had to be careful with that. And all five people tried to de-chuck this book as much <laughs> as they could, right? Like, no, De-Charles it. You can't say that in a book. I'm like, yeah, I can. I wrote the book. I can say anything I want. Well, well you shouldn't. And so, <laughs> so we had a lot of those very robust conversations uh, about that. And so I got through that. And I was very careful to tell people, you know, you, you want to leave the writer's voice alone, Right if it's wrong grammatically, or if there's a typo, or if you have to read any sentence twice, right? Something's wrong, it doesn't make sense. Just let me know. And so I, I made all those changes as we went. And then uh, and then I had five people on tap to read the completed draft who hadn't seen any of it before. So those five editors went through and they all came at it from different perspective with different reasons. So the thing that I love the most is I, when I got done, I got the proof copy, one that I have today, that not for resale. Right. So I could look at it and I have a copy back in my office that has like 45 little post it sticking out of it, like yeah. the legal people do with their little signed here tabs. Yeah. I found like 45 things and I went back to all my editors and I said, why did I find these things? Right. How are there, because yeah. I read it cover to cover, one pass after everyone's done, and I found things <laughs> and I fixed them all. <laughs> so anyway, after I did that, then I just let that thing go out there and I read somewhere that, you know, you want to find a mistake in your book, publish it. You know, the world will tell you, they'll let you know. Has anything come back yet? So it's really interesting. I got a lot of positive feedback from just doing it, right? A lot of people know me. It's great. A lot of support. And it really felt great. Then people start ordering the book and it starts coming and they start picking it up. But now they're reading it and I'm waiting for, you know, the shoe to drop, right? Because I don't have a ton of that feedback yet. You know, the people who read it in advance or people in my family, you know, they... They're supposed to like me, so they say good things. And, well, they
0: got to be around you continually.
1: Right? So I'm waiting for people who don't have, any, have anything to lose. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I don't have a ton of feedback. I've gotten some, you know, people say, hey, I bought this for a bunch of my kids or the, in, who are in college. Or, hey, I, I bought 10 of these for my reading group because this is going to be the next thing we do. And so I've gotten some really kind things about that but I'm waiting to see what happens next.
0: So what's your top of mind things? So being fresh off of it, this is what I got top of mind as far as writing a book is concerned and and just the publication of it. You know, what's
1: interesting is like building out the business that I did, I basically renovated the building that I bought. I did all the work there. I built my own website. I did my own social media and marketing. I have my own server rack built out. I have all my equipment. Everything I did, I do because I'm a weirdo that way. I can do stuff. So... I know how to write. I spent time as an editor. I know how to do publishing things. I've overseen that kind of work. I know how to do the kinds of things where you have to get the JPEG right, and the cover, and the margins, and the bleed, and the trim. So, I can do this process start to finish. Um, I actually thought about, well, should I go through and get um, try to get a publisher to to buy into this? So, I did a couple of works, couple of weeks of reading on you know what that would be like. And I basically came up with, if you can get one, who will, you know, buy into the idea, they're gonna get to put whatever they want on the cover and it could be like an elephant clown or something, right? And they can market <laughs> it any way they want and they can change the content and they can, they can market it to prisons and Walmart or something. Like they can do anything they want because they have that sort of creative control. And I said, yeah, I'm not doing that. Um, you know, short of being a well-known author, there's not a lot that they have that they can really do. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to do it myself. And uh, I ended up doing that. It, I put it on Amazon because that's where, good or bad, that's where almost the entire book market is these days. And then a place called Ingram Spark, which does the list that bookstores, libraries, and schools use. So and and I got it on the Apple Bookstore. So that pretty much covers. So if a school wanted it or a library and I had a friend of mine, I said, go to your little hipster bookstore and see if they can get it to see if it worked. And she did. And they ordered it. And so yeah. <laughs> Is that the way you phrased it, I did.
0: <laughs> I mean, I didn't really doubt that you phrased it that way. I just wanted to verify. Well,
1: she was one in the comment. Well, I love that. Will you let me know when I could get it at my bookstore? Because some people don't want to shop at those certain places online. Sure, sure. Because they've crushed the souls of some other people, maybe somehow not naming any names. But yeah. So it was a great process. I, I think because I'm a one-off kind of human that I'm not sure how much of that translates to how other people would do it or what kind of help they would or wouldn't need. Uh, but so
0: did you do? You planned everything from the cover to to. I,
1: I did all of this. Yeah,
0: that's incredible. Yeah, good for you, man. I'm so proud of you.
1: Well, I appreciate that. That means a lot. Um, yeah. And the feedback that I've gotten just because I did it, it's really heartwarming to have people say things like that. And I, I think. Some of them mean it. I mean, that's really kind of nice.
0: Yeah, some of them do. Yeah. I mean, maybe. I did like the little Easter egg above the, the barcode, though. That's like a that's a nice little Easter egg. egg. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You and, had to have it on. It's like a signature. It's and like there a... are
1: stories in the book because it turns out you need stories, right? Anybody who's good with communications and marketing knows that, oh, we love a good story. So I put stories in there. And one of the Easter eggs is that most of these stories, the only thing I changed was the name. Yeah. So there are people in this town. <laughs> I'm just
0: saying. <laughs> That's it. On that note, we're going to take a break. All right, and we're back. We're back. We had to calm down there for a minute. We were getting <laughs> yeah. a little bit too rowdy. A little bit too rowdy. No, and I so I could really tell that this is probably the first book that I picked up, I read literally every square inch of the cover the introduction which is which was really interesting because i could tell that you wait 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 how you read the book well i've not read the entire book oh okay okay. right 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 (laughs) but i've i mean i've never really i don't do cover jackets or anything like that normally whenever i read which i will say you caught me because i did start reading chapter one and then it was like nope you got to go back to the introduction you you Busted me up on that one. So
1: for our listeners out there, at the end of chapter one, I said, I really need you to interdu- read the introduction, and most of you didn't. So here's a one-paragraph summary of the introduction if I can't get you to go back and read it.
0: So yeah. I, I got you at the end yep, of the Yeah, you got chapter. me. You busted me on that one. So in that introduction, that, that's a great place to start. Um, what It talks about the people who read instructions, the people who don't read instructions, and the people who get have to wait until they get into a bind, and then they go back and read the instructions. Right. I mean, just as a, as a person that builds systems, looks at systems, um, how do you see those different people in day-to-day life? I, that's the first thing I asked. I was like, I wonder how Chuck views each one of those groups of people.
1: So almost everything in life is the spell curve that's on the cover, right? And right. I talk about it enough in there. That this probably gets old. Well, I hope it doesn't. But you see that pattern in just about everything, right? you got people who need a little bit of help people who don't need any at all. And everybody in the middle who needs some, some sometime Belker, right? You got people who are super irritating and, and people who are delightful all the time. And then pretty much everybody in the middle. So that sort of plays out, right? You've got people in your life who will never read a manual and they will ask you all the time how to do a thing. And I got to the point where I say, well, what did Google say when you asked it? Right? Right. Because that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go look it up and come back and tell you, dude, cut out the middleman. I'm busy. Go look it up yourself, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so you have to, what's the old saying about teaching someone to fish, right?
0: Right, right. Uh, yeah, they'll right. eat for a lifetime. Yeah, right, so a a there's a lot in here
1: about, and I know a lot of managers, a lot of leaders, especially the more engineering types, they don't trust anybody to do it right. And it takes too long to teach. It takes too long to explain it. The other person's an idiot is going to screw it up anyway. So I'm just going to do it myself. And those people take on more and more work. They never leverage the power of a team because they can only do the time that they can fit in their own lives. So they miss out on a ton. Plus they're not sharing the benefit of what they know and the experience they have with people coming along. Right. So there's all kinds of reasons to share to share that kind of knowledge with people.
0: Yeah. I, I can see it in my own life. There's times I if I if I clearly do not know what I'm approaching, I'll read the instructions. Sometimes it's a time thing, but sometimes it's a discovery thing. Right. Right, where you're just trying to figure out, I just want to get in there and see. I know I'm not, it's not going to ruin my day if we mess it up.
1: Right. But most of the time, you know, if you're going to, let's say you're going to put together a piece of furniture for some Swedish company, right? Mm, mm. And let's say you've done it a bunch of times. You can just put it together. You know how this goes, right? No. That's
0: one thing. Just I don't, take a scan
1: yeah. at the very least of any instruction manual, anything you do, I just scan it, right? Because there's going to be one little nugget in there that you're going to wish you knew.
0: That's 100% true.
1: And it's going to cost you 10 seconds to do that, right?
0: Um, if I'm putting together their furniture, you better believe I'm reading that thing, every word of it. So you know, there's another thing that I did
1: besides the story is that I didn't do any reading on how to write a book or anything like that because I didn't want to know. I just wanted to do really? it to see what happened after I got done. I, I happened to stumble on two pieces of information sort of accidentally, and I don't even know if they're true. But one of them was that, that 80 or 90% of books only sell about 50 copies. They don't sell more than that ever, right? And I thought, okay, well, I'm good. I need 51, right? And so only a month into the process, and it took me a year to do this, I already knew that if I sold 51 copies, I was good. And so my whole life <laughs> and ego wasn't tied up in getting on a talk show, getting a best I didn't care. 51 copies. And I knew that day, wait, I called them friends and family pity copies. I got 51 in the bag. There's 51 people in my life who will buy this book just because, right? Even if they don't read it. And so. Man, I hope
0: I was 51.
1: That was a beautiful thing, right? And then, and I haven't posted this yet, but the day after I launched, I wake up in the morning and I refresh the dashboard that I get to look at, and it actually said 51. It didn't say 50. Did you take a screenshot of it? And I took the screenshot. Oh, perfect. Because I got 51, and then I was done. And I, I t- we've talked about running before, and, and when I go into a race, I always have six goals, right? Serious runners have two, an A
0: and a B goal. No, not so, Chuck, though.
1: So if a race, if the weather's wrong, the course is wrong, you're not feeling well, then you drop back to your B goal. It's, it's a reasonable thing to do. It's rational. So I always have six, and my goals are don't die, yeah, finish, be faster than your last one, hit the goal that you had for today, set a personal record— And then the super secret magic goal, you never tell anyone that if every condition was magically perfect and right, you could possibly maybe do.
0: Right. I translated that to the book. So write the book. Goal number one. Done. Done. Checked it off the list. And he didn't die. Right.
1: Number two, release it to the wild. That's a big deal, right? Because now there's an infinite number of critics out there just waiting to tell Chuck how wrong Chuck is, right? So that was a big deal. We actually have them lined up outside. <laughs> so that, you know, done. Second goal. And then third goal, 51 copies. Two days. Done. Right. And then goal number four is hard costs. Right. What I spent to buy ISBNs and publishing, you know, just various. It wasn't a ton. So I need probably 150 books to do that. Right. Yeah. And then I met like a whopping 114 today or something. After oh, fantastic. Oh, no, it's cruising along. Right. Two books a day or something. <laughs> but and then goal number five is Chuck's time, right? My time took me a year. It's an embarrassingly large number of hours. Huh. So that's a lot of books. It's probably fifteen thousand books, right? That one, that's goal five. That's probably not gonna happen. And it's okay because I hit fifty one copies.
0: Hey, that's all you wanted. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. So is there a six one?
1: Yeah, that's the super secret magic one you don't tell anybody.
0: <laughs> but there is, oh, it, it, it yeah, there's, exists.
1: There's a sixth one. Okay. And the, the other piece that I learned, and I don't mean to sidetrack from no. your, your beautiful set of questions, is somewhere somebody said the first sentence of the book matters. And I went, huh, how about that? Makes perfect sense. Well, right? is that the
0: introduction or is that the chapter? The first
1: sentence of the book. That's as detailed as they got. And I get that, right? You, you have a hook. you got to get people into any kind of marketing, promotional, communication materials. you got to get them in or you're going to lose them because yeah. people have the attention span of bugs generally, right? So, yeah, I went back and I had a story in the first chapter, but it wasn't the first paragraph. And I went back and flipped it. And so, the first line of the book, if you haven't read it, you probably should, because, you know, I thought it was a good line for the first line of the book. Yeah. You know, and, you know, can I give it away to the listeners? Yeah, please. Yeah. So, the first line of the book is it says, she walked into a wall and farted on impact.
0: I did. Yep. That's the first line that. of the
1: book. And we were talking about putting your phone down. Um, yeah. You know, that was one of those moments it's that you just file away and then nobody ever needs to know that ever, ever, ever list. But her 10-year-old son happened to see that, thought it was the funniest thing in the universe, and it will live forever in that family lore.
0: And that will live forever in your book. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, and I know that person.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I that, just changed the Well, the best part is that person knows that person. <laughs> yes, that and... person does. <laughs> So on on the back of the book, you wrote uh, as far as uh, a snippet of your biography. There is a myriad of adventures there. Do you want? To, I, I'd love to know about some of them.
1: I I do a thing, and there's a chapter in it called "Evolve," and I really believe that you should just keep tweaking you, year after year, year after year. Do something new. Learn something new. You know, ditch a couple of pieces of clothes, buy a couple of new ones, get a haircut that's a little different. Do things every year to keep changing and growing. And so the answer for me has almost always been yes. Hey, do you want to jump off this mountain in Alaska? Yes.
0: Do yes, I do. you want to jump out of
1: an airplane? Do you want to dive a wreck off the coast of South America? Do you? Sure, right? So do you want to come do a radio podcast thing, right? All these things are can be anxiety inducing they can be a little unease all this you go do them because why wouldn't you you learn something you grow you even if some of the things you don't do again so i've been very fortunate to just to do a, a whole variety of jobs to travel different places. Was that the
0: majority of that just before you were you went back to school? when when was that? what stage of life was that in?
1: It depends on which part of the weirdness you're talking about. So a lot of the travel has been the weirdness
0: I... being your life. Yeah.
1: so, <laughs> yeah, when I was a teenager, I had a lot of trouble in school. Um, I didn't care for it. So I just did stuff instead. Um, I ended up working on a fishing boat off, the, off Cape Cod. and Was that just because you wanted to? Well, I needed to eat. Um, so that was a tough job. You know, a couple of giant burly old guys who did the lion's share of the work. And I was called a stern man. I was the little guy that, you know if a fishing line got tangled, they'd pick me up and throw me in the water. You know, just, I was the third guy. It was not a
0: good role. Um, Expendable.
1: I was the one who, it was a lobster boat. So I was the one who took all the really, really angry lobsters. You know, when you see them in the grocery store in a glass, they're super chill and worn out. When you pull them out of the Atlantic, they are angry that you have pulled them out of the Atlantic. And they don't have those little rubber bands on yet. That was my job. So I had to pull them out of the pot angry, measure them to make sure they were legal, and then put the bands on them and then get the, Old bait out, put new bait in, get the pot ready. Before the captain decided to throw that first trap in the water, which pulled all the other ones after it, he didn't care whether you were done or not. Right. Yeah, why would you? Yeah, so that was my life. Um, So it's been a lot of those kinds of adventures. And the the beauty of all those things I did before I went to college was it made me finally getting into college, not just an expected thing that most kids just say, I'm going to college, whatever. It was a glorious thing for me, and I reveled in every minute of it. I did every, you know, I went to every kind of sports, every play, every concert. I went to book readings, and hey, there was a string quartet on the lawn one day with brown bag, and I did it all because it was amazing. And so it made me appreciate being able to do that and made me be okay with paying student loans for the next 15 years. Um,
0: All right, well, let's take our next break. All right, so let's talk about the book a little bit. Um, one, of the, one of the parts, well, we've actually been talking about the book a lot, so we're just going to continue to talk about the book. <laughs> we, can, we can run that one back. Uh, so w- let's talk about some of the chapters. And free speech isn't free. Okay. Okay, so I love, I actually, I really enjoyed uh, that chapter. Remember your speech is free, but that doesn't mean it won't cost you. So expound upon that a little bit more.
1: So I think we get lost in some of the basic ideas. There's a line in that chapter. It's a short one that says, this is a vast oversimplification of First Amendment law. And one of the people who read the final draft was a lawyer and was very appreciative that I had acknowledged that I'm just a regular human. (laughs) But... The First Amendment says you can say whatever you want and the government can't punish you for it. That was important when we built this whole idea that we're working on in this democracy, right? So that the king couldn't put you in jail and the government couldn't, those sorts of things. Yeah. That doesn't mean that your community can't chew a new hole in your backside. That doesn't mean your boss can't fire you. Yeah. Right? You make your company look bad by saying stupid stuff out in the world. Your boss can fire you. That's how this works. Right. And people lose sight of that. They get really angry. Well, how could so-and-so get fired for exercising their free speech? The government didn't punish you. And as long as they don't, right, that's the only thing that's protected. So you could say whatever you want. That doesn't mean you're not going to pay for it.
0: Yeah. And I don't think everything necessarily even said is going to lead to something as extremist firing. But, you know, what we say, I I love, I've always loved the analogy, like your words are kind of like a toothpaste in a tube. Once they're out, you can't put them back in. Right. Right. And and that words matter. I mean, that's one of your chapters, too. I mean, what you say matters and it might not cost you greatly, but I think words either build into or take something away. Right. Right. There's either a credit or a debit.
1: And aside and words matter, that's an important chapter. But threaded throughout that is this idea that what people know about you is what they see and what they hear. So Holland could walk around. Holland knows what's inside Holland, right? Hopefully better than anybody
0: else. Scary place.
1: But what most of the world sees is the clothes you put on, the way you carry yourself, and they know what you do and what you say. And that's how the world will judge you, right? So how you choose those words and how you act toward other people, those things matter.
0: But, I mean, I find myself even doing it, um, whether it be news, politics, sports, movies, whatever – uh, friendships what was said there was intent behind it right right you're automatically ins- assigning intent this is right. what they said this this is what they really meant
1: and that gets it me wondering how this is going to land with the wider audience of people who don't know me as well because research shows more and more that the way we have good discourse with each other is through relationships. So Mm -hmm. when you want to talk about the really contentious issues of race and sexuality and politics and all the things that are really tough in our society today, tougher than they should be, I think, um, you can't get at people with facts and reason and logic, which makes me sad a little bit because I love facts and reason and logic. But it's about relationships. So when I know Holland well enough that he knows where my heart is, he knows that I'm a decent human and where I come from, we can have conversations about more difficult topics because you know where I started.
0: Yeah. And then actually, I mean, one of your previous chapters is, you know, we're, we're all a mess too. You know, you start, you talk about, Hey, listen, that person thinks that they've got it together. That person thinks that they don't have it together, you know, and it's just this, this slide rule of where we're at. But I I think if you know, there's one thing that can cure a lot of, of ailments would probably be a conversation and over a cup of coffee to find out where a person is. Right. An individual. Hey, listen, I'm a mess. You're a mess. Let's figure this thing out. Right. And it's, you know, there's really silly examples
1: like somebody cuts you off in traffic and goes speeding down the road. And I'm super irritated. Like, come on, dude, why'd you have to do that? You know, maybe, maybe he's got to get to the hospital. Yeah, probably not. He's probably a jerk, but, (laughs) but but we make those assumptions. Right. And that's what gets us in trouble.
0: Yeah. So another one would be bad mouthing. Uh, so calling people to, uh, the, the way that I would uh, to look at that chapter is calling people to greatness without aligning with a side, okay. right? Allowing the situation to dictate. And so whenever I was reading that chapter, I was sitting there thinking that's that's really what this chapter is about, is allowing things to play out without necessarily picking a side, but still getting involved. Right. Right. You are getting, I mean, it, would you say that that's true? It, so bad mouthing, I was really trying to get at, and you'll see it a lot. Hey, Holland, why didn't
1: I get that report? I was supposed to have Monday. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, Billy didn't give me what I, the numbers I needed to do the report. You just threw him under the bus. Right now. A lot of times newer employees will do that or insecure employees. There's a lot of reasons that happens, but I really coach people to not do that. Right. So you need to own what happened and why you didn't get it. You need to talk to Billy yourself Bad mouthing not only makes you look bad; it hurts other people, but it's toxic to the environment. Right? Yeah. So, and it just it, it it never goes well in the long run. And it's just a thing that I and I tried to get at that one quick. That's why that one's so early in the book.
0: Yeah, I mean it's something hurtful to be able to take sides. Right. Right. Whenever uh, either a a person feels like uh, tensions are mounting up and people are mounting up against them. Right. Um, uh, but it's also uh, it's a lonesome place when everybody when everybody else is and it ties into chapters called own it Mm
1: -hmm. right the things that you do you got to own it and that's a hard thing for people to to come in and say i did that and here's what's happened because we're in a in a culture these days where nobody wants to be at fault for anything you know either through litigation or through getting in trouble at work or whatever that might be to own it and there's another one in there taking the back seat Mm -hmm. we we really don't do that well Right. We're all stars all. It's always the selfie, not the picture of the team. And if it's a picture of a team, by God, we did it through a selfie of us. Yeah. You know, learning how to take the back seat is powerful because that's how you raise up people around you, how you grow
0: them. I really find that as a difficulty in parenting. Right. Whenever I. I, um it's hard to watch them do something and fail, or do something and be poor at it. I mean, right. teach your kids how to wash the dishes, right? Right, with the expectation of your of your kitchen being clean, right? Uh, uh, small children, right? Right. I mean, eventually, if your twenty four year old child is still living with you and they don't know how to wash dishes, that's
1: yeah, that's on you. But that's on you. So, but that's an excellent point because. That gets into so many segments in the book. It's easier to do it yourself than to let your kids do it because good Lord, they're slow, right? Oh, they're slow, they're sloppy. Your head's going to melt. They're so slow, right? And they're going to do a terrible job, right? And that's going to make your head melt, right? And so you've got all kinds of things going there. It takes you too long to teach them. They're too slow to pick it up, especially when they're real little. All sorts of things are wrong there. It's really a thing about you is to learn to have that patience and that taking a back seat. Let it be terrible, right? As long as nobody's going to die, hmm. Right. You know, there's a story in there about picking your battles like that kid went outside in an outfit that hurt my soul. It was so bad. <laughs> right. Was it my child? Right. But the kid was dressed. <laughs> go out in the world. You got clothes on. Don't care. Right. Yeah. You you win the
0: battles you need. Not all of them. Yeah. Right? You don't have to conquer the hill every single time. So,
1: you know, the kids, they're not very good at brushing their teeth. But, you know, if you're going to brush their teeth for them until they're 14, you know, that's probably not going to go well for them long term. Um
0: So one of the one of the um, one of the chapters that I read that was one of my most favorite was time. Yeah. Right. Um, And I loved what you had to say. The single most important thing we have. It's the single most important thing we have, which I've heard that before. But I, I love this. The key is managing it. And then I would say part B of that that sentence or that segment was not wishing today's time was something else. Right. I love that phrase. Right. Because I find myself in that in a moment where I'm like, man, I my mind is automatically going either is going usually forward to my next thing. Right. Rather than just being in the moment of where right. I'm supposed to be. When right the now.
1: season's over, when I'm done with the school year, when I finish this project, yep. once I get married, once I get divorced, what, whatever it is, we're downrange in our thinking all the time. And you're living a life that hasn't happened yet. And you're missing the one that is happening today. And I know that sounds a little touchy feely, but it's true. Uh, In that sense. And, uh, you know, a story that jumped out and it didn't make the book, but I had a great mentor who happened to be my boss at the time. And I told him a story that, you know, I come out of a Marine Corps background. A shower takes me 90 seconds, right? (laughs) Wet soap, (laughs) rinse out, right? It's not a complicated thing. And my hair is real short and just, it's real easy. So I told him when I had a meeting with him that day, I said, you know, I was in the shower and I couldn't remember if I had washed my hair. I literally couldn't remember Right? And dude, it was 30 seconds ago. And so I had to do it again, which irritated the efficiency part of me, right? right? That I had potentially washed my hair but twice. But
0: on the shampoo bottle, you're following instructions because <laughs> it says so, rinse and repeat.
1: So, but that really bothered me that I'd lost the thing because I was thinking about the day, the meetings, the things coming up, the projects. So I just lost it. And it was a being in the moment lecture that I, not lecture, he was a good mentor, but a being in the moment, a mindfulness conversation that that became the agenda that day because it's true right
0: it is it is it's trouble to be in the moment um and i would say that that's a struggle it's it's probably always been a struggle but i would say it is it might be a little bit more heightened on how how slim our attention spans are right attention spans of a bug of a bug of a bug right I, i like the goldfish better I, I akin myself more to a goldfish than a bug.
1: And I'll tell you one, one thing that popped up a lot when I was writing this is there's a chapter in there on clothes, right? And I got a lot of pushback. You shouldn't write about this. This is going to be very contentious. And I got to the point where I decided that I was going to get more pushback on a chapter about fashion and work and what you wear I wrote about race and gender and sexuality and religion mm-hmm. and free speech and all sorts of things that are very difficult issues, complicated, and I absolutely got more pushback on the clothes than any other chapter. Really? I did, yeah. It, it's just comic to me. It really
0: is. You did really tackle a lot of areas in this I book. I mean, I'm, I'm a lot. I did. And so I would say um, it feels like the case, the, the book – you know, the case for your book or within your book is that you're trying to help people become comfortable with the gray areas of their life. Right. Right. I mean, there's a chapter in there about um, not everything's binary. Right. Right. It's not yes or no. I mean, I think it really is a good instruction of the majority of our life is spent in the gray areas. Not every, I mean, man, if there was, I mean, obviously this is human training and you talk about this being an instruction book. But we don't come out of the womb understanding on how to operate within our own skin and within our own lives. So it is helpful information. It's massively helpful. And and there's a lot of reasons that we end up in,
1: in binary modes, right? It's easy to pick a thing, yes or no, you know, white or black, left or right. It's easy. And the world loves to feast on conflict. You know, it's marketable. And it's easy and it's comfortable and it feeds some of our biases. But you're right. Almost everything is a gray area. It's a shade of gray. It's a, well, sort of this and sort of that and a little bit of this and get to know somebody and make those calls. And so I really got at perspective a lot in the book um, and walking in somebody else's shoes, real old saying, but it really distills a lot of it into that. Um, Yeah. And into being a decent human being. I didn't want to write a seven steps to riches book. There's a ton of those out there. I didn't want to write, follow my simple business plan system to success. There's a ton of those. There's people in this town who use systems like that and have at it, right? I said, if you're a decent human being, everything else is going to work. You know, I could probably take a stab at the philosophy of Allen and company Mm -hmm. and not even knowing it and get reasonably close by using this book. Let's see, treat each one of your clients individually like they have individual needs and wants and goals. Listen to them, pay attention to them. Don't treat them like a number. Treat them fairly and honestly and don't to do them and give them the best advice you can. All of those things. And you go, yeah, that's pretty much it. With yeah. some legal stuff that we have to do and training. But yeah, I mean, it all comes down to if you do these kinds of things, I don't care what your industry is, you're going to do it well.
0: Yeah. All right, well, let's take our last break. All right. So dealing with the gray areas of our life, right? Um, since the dawn of man, the machinery of man has not changed, right? As, as far as the things that we need, we go through hard times. We need community of people. We need um, affirmation. We need shelter. We need food. We need those things. But obviously we have difficulty in training ourselves, ourselves internally as well as parenting you know, training coworkers, training people that report to us directly. Do you think that some of the difficulty of training is um, that we experience today due to the pace of the world that we live in? Do you think that it's our own personal viewpoints? Like I have a personal viewpoint, not necessarily something that we're dogmatic about, but just from my point of view, this is how I've experienced my life and this is my opinion. Um, Or do you think it's something else? It's a really robust question. So
1: you just, yeah, you just unpacked the whole book in a question there, Holland. So the pace of life absolutely matters. It really does. We're, you know, you can just talk about, you know, when the news cycle first went 24-7 with cable, that changed the way we consume news and talked about things, right? Mm -hmm. So we don't have enough time to think about things before we've moved on to the next one. Everything happens right now. I mean, if you were somebody in the marketing communications world, you know how short your communications have to be to hold attention spans so many things have changed because there's so many demands for our attention so many demands for our time you kept going back to how we train ourselves and why we're not good at it i think that's really the key of it because it's not that complicated to understand how our world is different than it was for our parents or their their parents and so on back life changes technology changes the challenge is what we do with it and it's really easy not to do much with it it's easy to Go to work, come home, put your butt on the couch, eat delicious carb, fat laden foods because mm. they're tasty, right? Mm-hmm. Sugar, salt, and fat are magic, right? Yeah, they are. Right? And then watch some mindless TV, scroll on your phone until you're tired, go to bed, right? It's easy and it's comfortable. Or watch some sports or go play somewhere. Whatever it is that you do that, that that just sort of is makes you happy, not necessarily fulfilled, right? Doing anything other than that takes effort it takes a little bit of discipline a little bit of time it takes some work to build those habits whether it's habits with your family to be more intentional with them whether it's habits at work right all of those things take work on on your part and it's really easy not to do it right being in shape is not hard yeah putting the effort to do it and to stay on it that's hard and you have to acknowledge that with people and and work with them and i work really hard to tell you i'm not trying to change you into me or to somebody else this is about figuring out how to give you the tools to be a better you in the context of you in and a you actually life, right? mentioned and that's that really important to me yeah. more than once right absolutely like in the fashion chapter when i went on a whole rant of what not to wear out in the world which mm. really irritated a lot of people at the end of it somewhere in there i said in the rant doesn't matter you could substitute my rant with your own yeah. about what's right and wrong the point is these things matter the choices you make you know, if you go out into the world and you want to dye your beard in rainbow colors and put a bunch of piercings in your nose and you're going to work at a coffee shop and it'll be fine. Allen Company's not going to hire you. Right. You might even be a genius, but if you're not going to face their customers in a way that, ma- that works for them, right? Those things matter. And that was my point. You can wear whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. But just like your speech, that doesn't mean that that will be free of consequence. And you have to be okay with that yeah. and not ignore it.
0: Right. So, what did you learn about yourself when writing this
1: book? I learned a couple of very important things. One, this is really vulnerable to do this, right? Yeah. I can have a conversation with Holland about, with you about these topics, and you can see the nuance and we can go back and forth on that. But to put the whole thing out there in writing that anybody, not just a friend of mine, could look at, this is super vulnerable. Like I had a mentor who called it getting naked, which was a little creepy, but that's what she called it, Um, because you're very out there with those kinds of things. And it was really, I didn't expect that, right? I was going to write it, put it out there, nobody read it, it'll be fine. Um, But to have something that's so important to me and encapsulates almost everything I've ever learned, taught, trained, the work that I do today, if you like this book, yay, and if you don't, that's, you know, it's pretty vulnerable.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, what are you uh, what are you most encouraged about in the world around you right now?
1: I think that the world is coming out of where we were, right, and I think that's great for everybody. You know, the kids are going back to school, the events are starting to happen again, people are going out to dinner, and I think it's bringing some peace and some happiness into people's lives. And I think that's a beautiful thing to see us back out. You mentioned a minute ago how important community was. It's mm-hmm. one of those things as humans that we need. We need family. We need community. We need those kinds of things. In some context, faith, those things matter. And we lost all that community pretty much, you know, for mm. so much time. And, you know, we're coming back out of it. And I think, I think it's more important than people realize.
0: So the book is Human Training uh, by Charles McDaniel Jr. Uh, tell, tell people where they can find it.
1: Uh, the book's on Amazon. Um, you can get the Kindle, the hardback, the paperback. Uh, it's in the Apple bookstore, and you can get it through your local bookstores.
0: I really appreciate you being on.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Holland. I appreciate it. It was
0: great to be here. So again, my name is Holland Henderson. You can reach out to us at alleninvestments.com. There's a lot of wonderful content that you can go on there and uh, find out some, some really cool things about the financial world and also other things. Uh, have a wonderful day.
1: The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult with an appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. Guests appearing on the show and their respective companies are not affiliated with LPL Financial and Allen & Company. Investment advisory services offered through Allen & Company of Florida, LLC, Allen & Co., and its affiliate LPL Financial, LLC, LPL, Registered
0: Investment Advisors. Securities offered through LPL member FINRA SIPC.